Hi, welcome once again to the Healthcare Marketing Podcast from Interval for the week of March 2, 2009. I'm Chris Bevelo, president at Interval, and we have with us Adam Meyer. Hello. From Interval and Jackie Ritaco. We're working on that extra microphone for Jackie, so bear with us. Uh, we'll get her on, on the air one of these days here. Uh, we got a few things we're going to go over today. First, I want to give a thanks to all the people who attended the Mission uh, Winter Conference in St. Cloud, yes, Minnesota. Yes. I would say there was, what, maybe 70 people there, 60 to 70? I think that was... Somebody told me the tally. I can't remember what it was. It but was a I good think turnout. It, it was a good turnout. The it room was, was a good full. Turnout. Yeah, and I spoke, I spoke the last slot of the day. Uh, and there was a snowstorm. So those two things combined, usually you see people walking out on a regular basis, but people stuck around and they not only stuck around, uh, there was a great Q and a dialogue at the end, probably 15, 20 minutes. So I think that really shows something about that group that people are willing to stick around on a Friday end of the day, snow piling up outside, Mm -hmm. uh, to try to engage in conversation with us, with the people that were there. So I thought it was good. Yeah. It was good. Not only that, but we have, um, we still have to talk to Mission about this, but we did record, we've got Chris's session on video, um, and we, that uh, may be up on the Mission website at some point in time, maybe on ours, and uh, we'll snip it up, uh, for sure a snippet on our site pretty soon here, so be sure to check for that. Yeah. The presentation was why Joe Public doesn't care about your hospital, and if you believe that, what are the implications for your marketing? So, uh, great conversations with people there so again thanks to everybody who came out and hopefully we'll see people in this at the summer conference which is a new location i understand i think down in chaska minnesota which is the southwest part of the twin cities if you're not familiar with this area so uh watch more information on that to come uh before we got a really deep topic that's going to touch so many different things of healthcare and healthcare marketing but before we get to that adam you wanted to talk a little bit about we ventured into video conferencing we yesterday did. we did we had a <laughs> we had a well, it was productive it was entertaining. how long was the meeting uh hour and 20 minutes but it probably could have been a half hour half hour I think right. we spent 40 minutes playing with the visual effects making our faces look like funhouse mirrors but no we used uh iChat on um, well we're a mac-based shop here um pc is floating around too obviously for when we have to venture into that evil evil part of the computer computer world but uh i chat cool very fun you know each of us has a fairly recent laptop with a built-in eyesight so it was kind of fun to be able to have a conference call where we could see each other at the same time and uh you know maybe for some people that's common but for <laughs> for us it was the first time we'd really played around with it but i was impressed with the audio quality the audio quality was as good i think if not better than a lot of conference phone calls end up being yes and we were just basically you know talking to our laptops and uh a few glitches here and there with the video but uh overall it was it was a cool way to be able to to be able to interact yeah it was uh we were having a, a meeting to it was basically a project management meeting <clears throat> but the, the the key benefit of doing it was to be able to see facial right. expressions and body language and things that you don't get over the phone so we'll be doing that more often and, and figuring out how we can do that with our clients and um, trying to avoid the, if you have iChat or you have uh, some of the Mac software, you know what we're talking about with all the crazy things you can do to the image. And my kids and I have a ball. So I think it says something that my six and seven-year-old daughters have as much fun with it as we did. 
Right. <laughs> okay. So anyway, we highly, we highly uh, recommend if you've got that software to try to dive in and use it. So what I wanna, one of the things I want to dive into is uh, this was brought to my attention through uh, someone who I follow on Twitter. Uh, her, her handle on Twitter is Serious Skeptic, so we'll include that in our show notes. I don't know what her real name is. She doesn't have it in her profile, but uh, she always, she, I think she's on the East Coast because she was forwarding me uh, snippets and then finally the links to an article from the Boston Globe, which actually hit in November. Uh, but I wanted to get into it a little bit because I think there's so many different things to talk about. And it's basically the title is a healthcare system badly out of balance. And it talks about how providers, hospitals and health systems uh, are reimbursed at different levels for the exact same procedure, the exact same test, the exact same visit, uh, all based on their negotiating clout. So the article is talking about in Boston, uh, for example, Children's Hospital in Boston uh, typically gets about $1,100 for making an MRI of an ankle. And Boston Medical Center gets $490 for the exact same procedure using the exact same technology. And so it, it seems very unfair, uh, but that's kind of what I want to explore today is, is uh, you know, it's basically the biggest and the baddest systems are able to kind of twist the arms of the payers and get more money. And that's causing a lot of financial difficulty for the smaller players who don't have that clout uh so let's start with that i mean adam what's your what's your first reaction when you hear that that and that happens in minnesota i think that happens everywhere uh, i know it happens in minnesota it's just not something that's talked about much what's right, your first reaction right. when you hear that my first reaction well my first feeling is obvious is, is, is of, of negativity right I mean, it feels wrong um also as a supporter of you know kind of the whole f- free markets um, part of it, I'm just kind of like, well, maybe there, maybe there is a reason for it to exist. Um, I don't think that outweighs my tendency to make it to, to just, you know, my, my evil meter kind of get, goes into the red <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there. I just, something feels wrong about that. Um, especially when it comes to healthcare, because it'd be one thing if you were charging more for widgets or making more off of, you know, right. parts for something, but we're talking about people's lives here and people being able to afford to save people's lives or not, you know, based on what they can afford to provide. So I don't know. That's a, that's a weird, well, there's lots of, there's lots of ramifications when you, when you think this through a little bit, you know, the article talks about how, you know, the payments are based really on the reputation and the size of an organization and their ability to negotiate. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with the quality of care. It has nothing to do with the outcomes uh, it's really just based on the, the biggest gets the best. Uh, you know, we this system that we have is a market-driven system, and this is where, uh, you know, at some point we're going to have to address this because if you think about Walmart, people go to Walmart because it's got the lowest prices. Well, the reason Walmart has the lo- lowest prices is because they are the biggest and they are able to twist the arms of vendors right. uh, to, to force them to lower the prices. So right. the same product at Walmart costs less than it does at jc pennies or target or somewhere else exact same concept of what we're talking about but like you said it really has a different meaning when you're talking about somebody's life mm-hmm. uh but that's the system we have right and so uh you know it's the same reason why larger insurers are able to negotiate better rates for their members uh and so it's it's interesting from that perspective to think about well what else would it be how would you 
fix that. But now think about it, and the article touches on this. Uh, this is kind of this under the rock kind of deal. Uh, this this article from the Boston Globe, when you print it out, seven pages long, very in depth, great great review of what's going on in that market. Uh, it's part of a four part series, and I think the Star Tribune had something on this years ago. But it's amazing to me that you don't hear about this nonstop, especially now that healthcare reform is at the top of the list, uh, and that patients aren't storming the castle because now. With more of us with consumer-driven health plans, consumer-driven health insurance, high deductible, this has a direct impact on what you pay. Right. So I've got a $5,800 deductible for my kids. Depending on where I go to get an MRI of my son's broken arm, I could pay $500 or $1,500. You don't think I'm going to care about that mm-hmm. from the same piece of technology and no difference in clinical outcomes? I mean, when this starts becoming more and more known, uh, what are the ramifications going to be? Right. So great article. We will include a clip of, or I'm sorry, a link to it uh, on our show notes. But I would be shocked if we don't hear more and more about this in the ongoing discussion mm-hmm. for healthcare reform. I'm just not sure what the answer is. That's a tough one. Yeah, I just know I'm watching my own wallet <laughs> <laughs> as much as I can. Yeah, I think as a lot of us are. Okay. Oh, you know, I should mention, too, I should have said this at the top of the show. Uh, you can now subscribe to this podcast. Yes, iTunes. 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 So Very easy. Uh, do we have a link for that, Adam, on our site right now? Uh, we do. I believe it's on our uh, Stream of Consciousness page, but okay. we'll have it in the show notes here for sure. Right. And um, it'll be integrated into uh, other areas of the site here, too, pretty soon. Cool. All right. So you can definitely, if you're listening to this, you've probably figured out how to get a copy. But if it's more convenient for you, I know I... Um, the two podcasts I listen to uh, are through iTunes and it automatically. Oh, all of mine. I, yeah. I mean, and speaking of which there, I was just talking to some friends about this the other day. There, there are, there are very, there are no TV shows that I look forward to watching every week, but there are podcasts that I listen to and watch. No TV shows. Hmm, no. Not fringe. No, no. I haven't, got, I haven't gotten into any, you know, and I, I don't know. It's, I don't, I don't, I used to watch like friends back in the day just cause I had, Sure. It was in college, and I had roommate or high school and roommates, you know, in college who wanted to watch it. So I kind of got sucked in. But ever since then, I don't know. There's there's other things that I do like online and that fill my fill my time or is getting out or whatever. Well, but, I can tell you that that the internet is changing my viewing habits. And Hulu, who you, I think mm-hmm. you first brought up Hulu to me, uh, I've been going there weekly. Yeah. And in fact, I I got a gift card for iTunes. And usually, you know, I buy a song whenever I need it. So I'm like, well, well how am I going to use this? And I thought, well, I'm going to buy a season pass to 30 Rock, which is like 50-some dollars for just season three, I think. But it made me stop and think, I think I can get this on Hulu. Yeah, you can watch. For free. Yeah, 30 Rock, everything's on there. Now, I can't get that on my iPhone, can I? Because no. that's where I would like to have it. No. So when I'm working and the other out, thing on that note that's a little bit frustrating is there's a media platform uh, that can work on Macs, that can work on PCs, that can work on Linux. It's called Boxy. Um, basically, it's if you've looked at Apple TV, it's kind of a lot like what Apple TV right. is. It's an interface that allows you to navigate online content, um, watch TV shows online from Hulu. Well, that's the thing, too. I was going to get to your Hulu and uh, the other networks that are providing TV shows, but it's called Boxy. It's a really cool media platform 
there was a hack that made it work on Apple TV, and we use an Apple. I use an Apple TV at home, um, but Apple keeps cracking that hack. They keep releasing updates that oh. breaks it, so you can't hack your Apple TV to, to put Boxy on there. In which case, you could watch Hulu on your Apple TV and all sorts of stuff, which you can't do otherwise. Right. Now, if you had like a little Mac Mini or another little computer, you could run Boxy on there and. But Hulu pulled out of Boxy, which was could be the death of Boxy because that oh. was why a lot of people were using it. So wow, that is some deep geek there. <laughs> you, that is way well well beyond me. I just like watching Hulu, and my kids and I watch the little clips from Saturday Night Live, and I have to be careful what I show them. But they still love the Fred Armisen <laughs> clip where he's got the big magic board like on CNN. Have you seen that? It's very funny, yeah. and he's. He's moving the states around, and then they tell him to stop it and, and, and be serious, and he gets mad, and he jumbles the whole country up, and all the states <laughs> go everywhere, and he makes Michigan bounce. They get a big kick out of that. Okay, so um, moving on to something else, just complete lack of segue. Another <laughs> thing that came through Twitter that I wanted to throw out was uh, somebody had posted, uh, and in fact, I think this, I don't know if this is official yet, like it's, it's shown up in official budgets from Obama's administration, but there's a lot of talk about restricting or eliminating direct-to-consumer pharmaceutical advertising because of how much money is spent on it. I guess the, the thought is that money could uh, go to lower drug prices or uh, more R&D. I'm not sure. Uh, again, it, it's this, this question of, well, is this a market-driven industry or not, which pharmaceuticals absolutely is, but when you talk about people's health, and people dying because they can't afford drugs mm-hmm. uh, or the fact that it costs more money for the same drug here than it does in other countries because they're not forced to lower their prices. Uh, I bounced back and said, well, if, if folks are going down that path, at what point do they start saying, well, hospitals shouldn't advertise either? Right, right. And right. we've talked about that before. Well, we talked about it as a potential paper. The thing with pharmaceutical advertising, too, it can be a little frustrating because you'll, you'll go into your doctor with – say. I have this problem. I saw this drug on TV that will fix my problem. I would like a prescription to this drug. And even if, if, if assuming the doctor agrees with you, in my experience, not that I've gone in and done that many times, but the, the one or two time that I have, I don't even think I could get the drug. I had to get a generic version of whatever it was because my insurance company didn't, my didn't insurance cover didn't it. cover. Yeah. Docs hate that too. They yeah. hate when you go in there because they just go, hey, that's my job not yours. I know better. And most times they do. That's the problem with it is that uh, folks will argue that it's driving up healthcare usage. So more and more people are getting drugs that they really don't need because they're kind of forcing the issue with their physicians. But uh, it's interesting to think about that in terms of hospitals. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. It's a market-driven industry. These folks have to compete, if you want to call it that, for patients to survive. They need the more patients they have, uh, the stronger they are. So they have to compete like any other business for customers. Uh, but people get wigged out about that because we're talking about patients. Another Twitter post was um, hospitals should stop. You know, maybe hospitals could charge less if they stop running, quote, unquote, health fairs and trying to drive up new business. And I thought, well, look, either we, again, we change the system, but otherwise that's what they have to do. That's what they have to bring in more people. And you could argue that what's wrong with the heart disease screening that helps people figure out whether or not they have heart disease. I mean, yes, that's drumming up new business, and that's why most hospitals and health systems do it. Uh, But it's also helping to improve the health. The problem is it costs money. Right. 
So there's some big, big issues out there that we have not addressed, and I don't think we could even society's ready to address. And what all that means for marketers, I don't know. But certainly, when we talked before, people start figuring out what things cost. Uh, that's going to be a whole other ball of wax people have to deal with. Right. And it's going to change how you communicate with them. Yes, it will have to change how you communicate with them. What about Tropicana? You want to talk about last time we were talking about the new Pepsi logo. Yes. Uh, and you said there's been, some, there's been a little bit of a media storm over Tropicana. There has you been. There has been. The design on. community has been all... It's, it's been it's been the rage here in terms of conversation on on a, on a lot of blogs lately. But basically, Tropicana hired an agency to rebrand their their product, their look and feel of their packaging, their their, their brand, everything about the brand Tropicana, design. the brand design. Brand exactly. Um, certainly didn't want to change the 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 feel of the of who they are, the, of what the product is. What it means. Changing right. their packaging, changing their logo, changing the visual side of their brand. Um. But they got some backlash for it. They got a lot of backlash for it. Consumers, people who were used to going into the grocery store and seeing that familiar Tropicana product sitting there, you know, they know they don't even need to. You can look out of the corner of your eye and grab it because you know what it looks like. Um, they couldn't do that anymore, and that's arguably that's going to be the case no matter what. When you change your brand packaging, people are going to have to get used to it again. But the problem was, or one of the problems was that the, that the new design looked looked almost generic in terms of right. the, the cleanliness of it. Now, as a designer, I'm going to say I've always kind of been a little bit of a fan of generic packaging just because of its cleanliness. A lot of times you walk down the aisles, you see you're in the macaroni and cheese section or whatever, and all the, the, you know, the expensive boxes are like wavy things going all over the place and beveled text, and it's just, just packaged. It's almost a headache to look at because it's so ornate and fancy. And then you've got the little 15-cent box on the edge it just says, macaroni and cheese and black letters on white <laughs> you know it's clean um i've always kind of been a fan of that kind of packaging um but basically the thing about that is that design the trends in design right now are, are a lot of them are leaning towards doing things cleaner less noise less uh less less clutter is that a reflection of the economy partly uh, is it reflecting kind of this sparse well no I think nonsense maybe a little but i think i think Design has just come. Design has been valued. It's becoming valued more and more and more by different industries. People are sure. paying attention to that, um, and this is a case of where they had thought they were modernizing their look, bringing it up to speed with with um, with their client base. Um, it's not a generic product. It's something that costs a little bit more than the generic stuff, and they wanted it to be polished and feel like they were reaching that that target audience. Problem was that target audience. D- didn't want some doesn't want something that looks generic and that was that was one of the big arguments it's like all of a sudden there's something on there that looks it looks like a generic product now your product which once had looks sophisticated for me now looks generic and i don't even notice it anymore because of that because i have a tendency to look past those things that was the argument um so what happened so they changed they changed back they ditched they ditched the whole redesign and are going back to what they were using this is after it went to market this This is after it went to market after all of the expense had gone through for changing it um has that ever happened before i can't remember i, I mean like you've got the new coke bit but that was the actual yeah that was the brand that was, that was the actual right product. right you were changing the literal not literal just the packaging there. or the logo uh, nothing that comes to mind i'm sure there are examples you know and it's interesting i i want i maybe they did support groups or or not support groups but um maybe they needed to <laughs> yeah, yeah no kidding but maybe they did focus groups to see if um maybe maybe they did maybe they didn't if they didn't 
I wonder if this is something that would have potentially come out of one. It's hard to say. Maybe. It really depends on who's in that focus group. Right. And, and what I mean, people, I mean, people hear what they want to hear with focus groups. Right. And even yeah. if they had negative ones, they'd be like, oh, people just don't ready for right. it. Right. Right. But I've never, I can't re- recall a company of that size um, backtracking and saying, oops, we're going to change it back. Right. I, that happened to me. The, I'm trying to think what it was. I, I figured out it was mayo. And I don't know if it's Hellman's or Kraft. Oh, may- may- Kraft. mayonnaise? Not, Kraft mayo, mayo. not the mayo clinic? Kraft used to have. They're, they're mayo in like a plastic jar, mm-hmm. not the round one, but it was kind of like, I don't know what to describe it, oval, whatever. Um, and it had mayo, huge on the front in their blue, sure. like on the blue shield. Um, couldn't miss it. And I went to buy new mayo like last week and I couldn't find it. I'm like, where is it? I'm looking for this big blue thing. Yeah, yeah. And they redid it. They redid the packaging and I'm like, oh, is is that it? And I had to like look twice and it was all smaller and off to the side. And it was, it felt more generic now that you say that. So, you know, I'm not going to stop buying mail because of it, but it did make me stop. And right. It was a wonder where, what happened to this easily identifiable, right. You know, not the best design, but can't miss it. Well, in that, that right there is the essence of the argument of the, the whole issue with Tropicana, the old one, you couldn't miss it. It was the big orange with the straw sticking out of it that it, all three of us probably would recognize as soon as you see it. It's like, yeah, I see that. Every time I walk past the orange juice, I, if that's not the one I pick up, at least I, I, it's, it's iconic. I remember seeing it. Um, and their new packaging just blended in with everything. It was like so, this giant glass of orange juice. What, what are we, what's the message here? There's no message. It's very interesting. Well, I think the message, well, A, make sure that what you're doing is for the right, is what your but right customers, for your is, what right. They, is what they want. And B, expect that you're going to create somewhat of a jarring experience when you, right. when you do make a transition, even if it's for the better. You know, people are still going to stop in their tracks and be like, what, what, wasn't that like this the other day? I'm not used to that. Part of me wonders how much of this has to do with kind of the embracing your audience, community, people are listening more and, and being more responsive. Part of me wonders whether you just mucked up the, the – uh, what am I trying to say? The release of this, sure. Um, you know, you don't really want to communicate a new logo that nobody's paying attention to that for Tropicana. But, um, you know, I, I wonder what I, I don't have to read into it to see what else there could be other than just they really missed the target. Right, it sounds right. like the main problem. Well, and you know, not directly related to branding, obviously, but Facebook recently tried to change their terms of service. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, yep. but that was a huge uproar in the mainstream media. Even I mean, it was like headline news. There was this massive backlash from the Facebook community. I think the new terms of service were saying that they owned your Facebook identity. Basically, I'm if not you, sure it was if saying you, that. Well, that's basically, what people thought that's how it was interpreted right. by a lot of the, people. The, whatever you posted there, they owned. Right. And if, yeah, and if you want to delete it, it's is, still ours. Yeah. Even if you decide to quit Facebook, what you put right. up there, we own. Um, and there was major backlash, huge groups on Facebook forming, and they they immediately stopped and said, "A, that's not what we intended right. to for people to interpret it that way. We're gonna take that. We're reverting to our old terms of service." And after that, like just the other day when I was yes, on, I saw yesterday. a message up at the top that said, "We have a new this new policy we want to do now with having Facebook users involved with determining what our terms of service are going to be." Um, which is kind of cool. 
It is, but that, and again, that's kind of a serious brand shift because Facebook's all about community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this isn't a design shift. This is a a brand shift right. that that goes against what they supposedly stood for. Right. right. Uh, so you know, the backlight. Plus, it's a community by nature, so uh, much easier for people to lash back and rally it that way. Yeah. And rally, yes, they actually provide the means for that, unlike <laughs> Tropicana, but. Uh, so anyway, I think, you know, dig into that if you're interested and in, in, uh, see if it was as much them missing their target audience and not understanding how design can uh, reinforce the brand values that people expect, which it sounds like there was a disconnect there. So right. interesting that they went down the wrong path and also more interesting that they said, oh, all right, Reverted. we'll take it back. Yep. yep. That's, a, that's a pretty expensive decision. All right. Anything all right. else we want to talk about? I don't know. We're probably pushing it for time already. We were far well. afield on that one. Yeah. We got deep into the economics of healthcare and then talked about Mayo and... Orange juice. Mayo, not Mayo Clinic even. No, I didn't. Craft Mayo. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, if you got nothing else, this is Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. <laughs> for Intervals Healthcare Marketing Podcast, thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.